Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and I wanted to come and talk to you today about something that I think is very important that we understand that the one thing we do not want to lose is Jesus Christ in our lives. This is a special weekend. Tomorrow, August 20th, uh, celebrates 58 years of marriage. Marty and I have been married for 58 years. It's hard to believe. And I just want to say how much I still love her and how much I appreciate the way she's been such a tremendous wife. And I know God had his hand in our marriage. So I just am celebrating the fact that it's our 58th wedding anniversary. Like I said, I want to talk about losing everything. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 in the ESV, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. John 15, 18, and 19 says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as it is its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Paul said that the way to win is to lose. In Philippians 3.8, he said, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You know, we put so much emphasis on the things of this world, the new cars, the new houses, the things we have to have, the trinkets that somebody else has that we don't, things that are passing away. Uh, they are not going to last. Uh, you know, you get a new car and what, in 10, 15 years, it's probably old and it's outdated. You get a new computer and in about, uh, well, before you even get it home, it's outdated. We, we don't put enough emphasis on eternity. We spend too much emphasis on the things, material things we have now. You know, treasures that we really should be treasuring, we can store up in heaven and we will have those treasures forever. Matthew 6, 19 and 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither wrath, moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I remember how pleased we were back before 2008, right after we'd moved to Phoenix to Pastor uh, Desert Hope Wesleyan Church. Uh, we had a beautiful house. We had a swimming pool. We had so many wonderful, luxurious things that we were just really enjoying them. But then the 2008 uh, came and everybody lost their shirts. And we lost our house. We lost our pool. I felt like it was really a terrible thing. But I, you know, I, I am reminded that it was just a thing. Also, I remember when we were getting ready to move out of the house, I had just had back surgery and I left some of the things that I wanted to move, left it there overnight and came back and found out our tools and my guns and a whole bunch of other stuff had been stolen. Now, we hated to lose these things, but again, they are just things. Imagine what that house and that pool will look like in 90 years. The important mansion that I should be concerned about is my mansion in heaven. I have a mansion over the hilltop. 
The first century believers converted to Christ fully understanding that they were espousing an unpopular cause that could cost them everything. Shortly after Pentecost, some of the early Christians were jailed, many lost their earthly possessions, a few were martyred, hundreds were scattered abroad. They could have avoided all this persecution by simply denying their faith in Jesus Christ and turning back to the world. This they steadfastly refused to do. I remember hearing a sermon illustration one time about a line of Christians that were being forced to stand in line and go up and uh, take a, a drop of oil and put it in an incense pot, just drop it and declare that they were faithful to Caesar. They were declaring their allegiance to Rome and to Caesar. And there was one teenage girl that was there, probably 16 or 17 years old, and one of the Roman senators saw her and I thought, what a waste, what a beautiful young girl. Doesn't she know that all she has to do is drop one drop of oil in, in that uh, incense pot and that she would be set free and she could live the rest of her life. And so he went over to her and he says, Honey, I said, you know, you're, you're wasting your life by doing this. He said, uh, don't, don't you know that if you just drop one drop of oil that, and, and say Caesar is God, that you'll be able to save your life? And, she looked, and he said, Don't you hear the lions? The lions are waiting back there for people that refuse to cooperate. Don't you hear those lions? And she looked at him and she said, but don't you hear the angels? And with that, he got in line with her. He converted at that time. You know, we're often so eager to make converts that we're tempted to play down the difficulties and play up the peace of mind and worldly success enjoyed by people who know Jesus Christ as their savior. At least we tell them that it's gonna be that way. We'll never be completely honest until we say bluntly the truth that as members of God's family and people that are morally opposed to much of the world, all that it has to offer, that, that uh, they're going to be in a serious jam. One that they're not going to escape easily. If they refuse to repent and believe on Christ, they will most surely perish. If they do turn to him, the same enemies that crucified Jesus will try to crucify them. People are afraid to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior because they think that he's going to take away their treasures, that it'll cost too much to be a Christian, that maybe they'll have to change their lifestyles and they'll lose a lot of the fun that they think they're having. The missionary Jim Elliott, one of the five that was martyred in the 1950s, said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. To resist praying and prayer of repentance is like holding tightly uh, with a clenched fist. It shows the tension, the desire to cling tightly to yourself, shows greediness which betrays fear. An old woman was taken to a psychiatric center. She was wild. She was swinging her fists and, at everything in sight. She was screaming. She was cussing. She was just, you know, everything was trying to keep away from her. She had a small coin gripped in her fist, and she would not let go of that. It took two men to pry that coin out of her hand. It was like she would lose her very self along with the coin. That was her fear. 
When God invites us to pray, he wants us to open our clenched fist and give him our last coin. But, but who wants to do that? The prayer of repentance can be a painful prayer because you don't want to let go. You want to hang on to what's familiar, even if you're not proud of it. You argue, argue, well, that's just how it is with me. I'd like to be different, but I am not ready now. When you talk like that, you're already stopped believing your life could be different. You've already lost hope for a new life. Since you won't face your own experience with all its baggage, you wrap yourself in a whole bunch of excuses telling why it won't work for you. You know, it's safer to cling to your sorry past than to trust a new future. So you fill your hand with small clammy coins that you refuse to surrender. Nothing improves. You're still jealous of those who have uh, more than you do. You still want revenge on those who don't respect you. You are still disappointed that you were passed over for that promotion at work. You're still angry because that person didn't speak to you when you walked by. You put on a front like it doesn't matter until the moment you want to pray. Suddenly it all comes flooding back. The bitterness, the hatred, the jealousy, the disappointment, the wanting revenge, and on and on. You grasp those feelings like they were treasures that you didn't want to part with. You rummage through the old sourness as if you couldn't live without it. Like it, if, if you gave it up, you'd lose your very self. You continue to steep yourself in misery. Well, the way to take care of this and the way to Christ is to deny self. Matthew 16, 24 and 25 said, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To what are we to be consecrated? Not not to Christian work, but to the will of God, to be and do whatever God requires. You don't surrender your life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered over time. You find yourself reverting back to the old lifestyle. Romans chapter 7, 15 through 25 says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. 
See, you can't change yourself. It takes Jesus in your life to make it happen. Uh, it's one of those things, if you go on and read what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 8, he, he finally solves this dilemma by saying it comes to surrendering everything to God and letting Jesus Christ control your whole life. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer you trying to do what is evil. It's now Jesus Christ helping you not do what is evil. The secret is every time you fall, get right back up. It's kind of like when I rode motorcycles. I enjoyed it thoroughly, but if I ever fell down and, and I didn't get right back on, it became very fearful for me to get on later. And so if I wanted to continue enjoying my motorcycle riding, I needed to get on as quickly as I could after I fell off. The key to submission is submitting ourselves to one another and to God or giving way to one another and to God. Submission is yielding my rights to somebody else. Anne Atkins in her book Split Image says, Before we can hope to be good husbands or wives, we must learn to be good Christians. We must become self-sacrificial and submissive. Abraham Lincoln said, Men are not flattered by being shown that there has been a difference of purpose between the Almighty and them. So the way to live according to the Apostle Paul is to die. Romans 8.13 For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. God reserves the right to break into my life without question or explanation. I belong to him so he can do in my life what he wants to do. So when that shattering phone call comes or that disturbing letter, it comes and really upsets my, my apple cart. It may be the first stage of God's interruption in my life. Since God does the initiating, he must be responsible for the consequences. Corey Ten Boom said, I have a glove here in my hand. The glove cannot do anything by itself, but when my hand is in it, it can do many things. True, it is not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. We are gloves. It is the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand, who does the job. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger is filled. The way to victory is surrender. Romans 8, 14 through 16, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. King James says, your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We must surrender our will to Jesus Christ. He knows what is best for us. The captain of a ship looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance. Immediately, he ordered his signal man to send a message. 
The message was, alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly, a return message was received. Alter your course 10, nor 10 degrees north. Well, the captain was angry. His command was being ignored. He sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman third class Jones. Immediately the captain sent a third message knowing the fear it would evoke. After your course 10 or alter your course 10 degrees south, I am a battleship. The reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. In the midst of our dark and foggy times, all sorts of voices shout orders telling us what to do and how to adjust our lives. Out of the darkness, one voice speaks something quite opposite to the rest, something that maybe sometimes seems almost absurd. The voice happens to be the light of the world, and we ignore it at our own peril. Whenever God touches sin, it's our independence that's touched, and that awakens resentment in our heart. Independence must be blasted clean out. There must be no such thing left, only freedom, which is very different. Freedom is the ability not to insist on my rights, but to see that God gets his rights in my life. Never confuse the will of the majority with the will of God. It doesn't matter if everybody's doing it. Uh, they're heading for hell, and you don't want to go there. I, I got a saying in the um, email the other day, Actually, it was this morning that uh, I thought was very, very good. And it, it came from one of my friends. And it says, wrong is wrong even if everyone is doing it. Right is right even if no one is doing it. I want you to know the most important thing you can do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and let him take charge of your life. And that way you will know that you have peace with God and you will know that you have a home in heaven. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'll help each one that's listened to my stories today, that they might be able to understand that the only safe thing to do is accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and to pray the prayer, Lord, not my will but thine be done. Whatever you want, Lord, forgive me for my sins, cleanse my life, fill me with your Holy Spirit, take my life and set it apart for your holy use, and then I know, Lord, that I will find the peace and joy that only being one of your servants can have. I ask, Jesus, that you help people who are listening, if they do not know you as their Savior, that they would make this the day they repent of their sins and ask you to come into their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you want to get in touch with me, you know the routine. I My mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. My email address, which you can use either to text or to send an email, Gmail, actually, it is R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. That's all lowercase. Or, you know, if you wanted to call me on the phone, uh, 623-845-2741.
and I also you can send the text. I think maybe I already said that. Anyhow, God bless you, and uh, if you want to come to the Baptist Church tomorrow, I'm preaching again, 11 o'clock, I would invite you to come and be a part of what we're doing.